Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. And hello, everybody. Happy Party Friday. Welcome to the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show. Chuck Bonniewell and Julie Hayden. The show brought to you by HappyTrees.co and Mountain Must Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine. As you notice, it's just me today. Um, Chuck is at a golf tournament and it's match play. So he said, if I win by a ton or lose by a ton, I should be able to do the show. So the fact that he's not here means that it must be competitive. So we'll update you on Monday. Um, but it's just me. A lot of talk about today. We've got the Trump arrest, the Trump mugshot, the debate, all kinds of things. But wanted to start today with our guest, Paul Lawrence. Um, he's got a new book out, Veterans Benefits, Get What You Deserve. He's a former undersecretary for benefits with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, and Paul, thank you and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Julian. Thanks for caring about our veterans. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, let me ask you this, because, you know, this is a political show, and I want to give you a chance to sort of talk about your book. But let me ask you this. It seems to me that if I were a veteran and I wanted to have a gender reassignment surgery or an abortion, there'd be plenty of information and people ready to walk me through that process, you know, that process easily. But if I want something else like maybe, you know, more regular yet more serious treatment, a heart issue or something like that. Is it a different story for many of the veterans? Um, well, yeah, yes. I mean, there is a series of health care things that are provided by the VA, right? And there's a law in 1992 that says the VA is not supposed to provide abortions, right? So this right. is kind of the problem that this administration has run into. They've reinterpreted the need to care as to break the law. So <laughs> there's a lot of places veterans get health care. There's a lot of places you can do things. You know, come to the VA, but we really should be following the law. Right. Well, as we've seen, and again, this is a political show. I, this administration doesn't seem to be, as we saw with Donald Trump's arrest, all that keen on having to follow the law. They just make their own up. What do you think about, you know, I had um, years ago uh, um, uh, an ex-husband, so an ex-father-in-law who had a lot of health issues at the the um, and at the VA here in Denver. And I know, you know, the veterans' issues have been widely reported on here here with the, the hospital in Denver, the wait times and things. And, you know, frankly, I think that his family should have sued for the way that he was treated. But what, so what is the status of things now? And this was years ago, but, but if you're a veteran, what is, what is the status of things? And what, I mean, and why did you feel there was a need for a book like this? Well, so let's talk about what's going on big picture. So about 10 okay. years ago, there was a scandal coming out of Phoenix where the VA was not telling the truth about the wait times to get appointments, right? right? And so there was real trust problems. Veterans died waiting to get appointments. That led to tremendous changes. And as you recall, then candidate and eventually President Trump really campaigned on fixing things for our veterans. So that's what I was part of. During that period of time, the wait time for appointments really sped up. The ability to get your claims completed, that really sped up. Now, this team doesn't seem to be as veteran serious, and people in charge are not all veterans, so things are slowing down a little, but overall, it has gotten better. 
Okay. What about, and, and I'll get you to talk about some of the other stuff, but in terms of sort of the wokeness, you know, we hear a lot about anymore, just the woke uh, culture in the military. And, and you, so you must obviously deal with a lot of veterans and, and I mean, do they see that too? Or is that something that it, it goes on in Washington, DC and on cable shows and shows like ours, frankly, too? Um, or, you know, what do you see as the truth of the matter there? Well, what I see is distractions. If you think about the mission of the military and also VA, right? Mission of the military right. is to punish our enemy, protect our country and punish our enemies. When you're doing stuff that's not related to that, you're distracted and, and, and it affects your efficiency. The same thing at VA is to provide world-class health care and benefits to our veterans. When you're doing these other things, woke or whatnot, you're just distracted from your mission. So it results in, you know, less less good care. So that's what people talk about. It, it doesn't work as well as it did before. They don't really know what the cause is, but I think a lot of it is the distraction. Just the distraction. And this, so just so you know, we do our show on Zoom. And so we have a comment section with the people watching on Zoom. And this is from Stephen. He says, I go to the VA in Aurora for my hearing aids and my ten, uh, tinnitus. I never had to say that. I've gotten excellent care and I have not really had any issues getting an appointment. I love my audiologist. So there, some of the stuff you set up is, is working, at least for Stephen here in the Denver area. Yeah, the, the, the vast majority of veterans really do get good care from VA, but it should be all veterans, and not just good care, they should get world-class care. Think about, Julie, the commitment they made. We should go off, give us the world's best military. In return, when you come back, you will have the world's best VA. And so when it falls short of that, it's just okay or just pretty good, that's really where you, you know, we should really be thinking hard about, was that the deal? And I don't think so. Okay. And then Stephen adds that the fellow veterans who go to the VA say they had um they've, they've been totally happy with dishes and their doctors and care too well let me ask you a little bit about your book in terms of get what you deserve i imagine it's like you know for instance i just i turned 65 and recently went on medicare and i have um a great insurance agent um with the humana whatever the additional things you have and i know they're like eight million things frankly that i could be taking advantage of but that i'm not and is that what your book is sort of aimed at helping people um through the through the va to understand you know what options are out there for them well right so when you go off to serve you get a series of benefits and now i'm just talking about addition to health care the monetary benefits right so let's go through a couple of them real quick the gi bill you serve right. three years honorably. You can go to college, free ride, go to college. And now there's some other things you can do, like certificates and additional training that will help you in the job market. You can purchase a home with no money down, called a no, uh, the home loan guarantee, buy a home well ahead of your civilian counterparts who have to save for the money. If you're hurt, you can get a tax-free monthly payment to deal with living expenses and the kind of things you'll do with that. So there's a lot of monetary benefits that really can help veterans you know, change their life. And why I wrote this book was they just didn't know about them all. I said, this is too hard for me to understand. There's many of them. Where can I find this information? So I wanted to pull it all together, make it easy to read, and all in one book. Uh, you would think that they should have a website that does that, but apparently like a, a lot of government agencies, not not so, huh? Well, they do have websites, but of course, they're really helpful if you know what you're looking for, right? right. And that's the problem, right? And so people get frustrated. It's so much, and it's so hard, and the language is confusing. So that's what I tried to make easy for people to understand. You read this, read the chapter about what you're interested in. There's places to do, things to go, and even describe how you can get no-cost help to help you through these processes. What about, is, are, are there any, I, I mean, um, things that you found are pretty common that, that people are like, holy cow, I didn't know about that, but they could really use? I mean, are there, or is it just sort of all over the place? 
Well, it's a little bit of everything, but there are some ones most folks don't know about. So, for example, a lot of veterans, believe it or not, don't use banks. They get all their do all their transactions on debit cards. There's a lot of banks now that get together and offer veterans free checking, so you don't have to pay the fees, which was what was driving them away. There's a program like that. There's programs, and this is really important for family members. So I often talk to veterans, and they'll say, no, I'm good, I'm fine. But don't forget, if something happens to you, these benefits can extend to your family, your spouse, your kids, and even your parents. So that's something they're often unaware of, that it isn't just about them. It also is about their family. And finally, don't forget, as, you, as you're probably finding out now, conditions get worse over time. You might have been <laughs> fine when you left the military in your 20s and 30s, and now we're in your 40s and 50s. Some of those things are going, and that's service-related, and you can get benefits for that. Well, that's kind of cool. So how is, in, in general, though, it sounds like you're saying, and from what Stephen's saying, is that things are, are you know, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a Friday, and we like to do positive news on Friday. There's not a lot to particularly gripe about here, um, and that's a good thing, or am I misunderstanding? Well, I think you must have, you must be, you get, you get uh, veterans on the phone or zooming into you who are having very good experiences. I think if you opened it, we'd probably get a host of folks who are frustrated getting appointments, who are waiting for their benefits. So those times have absolutely slowed down nationally. But, you know, there's so many veterans, VA hospitals, there's lots of well-run runs, and there's some that struggle. So it just, it is, it is sort of depends. One of one of the listeners is saying, what about resources for helping with the suicide rate for veterans? You know, we hear a lot about that. Is that can you can you talk about the kind of problem that that is? Yeah, it's a problem. And, and you know, it, we'd like to say it's getting better, but it just seems to be out there. OK. And some would say maybe the estimates are, are low if you look more broadly. But let's kind of go through immediate to longer term. Right. Immediate, of course, if you need an intervention, call the suicide hotline 988. Right. We've got to get people connected and get some help. More broadly, anyone, regardless of your veteran status, can go into a VA medical center and say, I need some medical attention, and they can get that. And finally, the other thing is, too, we have to be aware of our buddies, our fellow veterans or people who are just starting to isolate and don't look like they're engaging. So that's one of the things we can do is sort of, you know, reach out and let everybody know there are resources. You know, don't withdraw. The sad fact of the matter is I think it's two-thirds or 70 percent of the people, the 22 people commit suicide every day, do not connect with the VA. So, you know, that's one thing we could all be encouraging folks to do. Well, and you, you read about the suicide rates among particularly younger men going up in general. And I would imagine that there's a little bit of both going on, right? In other words, perhaps a lot of the people, um, the veterans who are committing suicide fall into that category. And then yet there are veteran issues on top of that. Is that right? Yeah, but you'd be surprised. I mean, it isn't just young men. The average age of veterans is over 65 now. And it is a lot of Vietnam veterans who are doing oh. this as well, unfortunately. So it isn't just as easy to, to find one age group, but it's generally, you know, the same kind of things broadly, you know, isolation, lack of engagement. But again, you know, it's very hard to generalize about this. If we, if we knew what it was, we'd developed a pill already and solved the problem. Well, yeah, I, I, I think you're right, it's along with anything. And I think you hit it. A lot of it is just lack of connection, right? No matter whether you're a veteran or not a veteran, that's that tends to lead to a lot of it. What about in terms of benefits that, um, I mean, your book sounds like a great resource for veterans, you know, to get what you deserve. Are there any areas um, besides gender reassignment surgeries that have been lacking that you think, you know, when you were there, if you had a magic wand, you know, when you were with the uh, the undersecretary for benefits that you would have waved the wand and said, okay, now we, we can do this too. Yeah. So I'll tell you, so coming out of world war two, when the first GI bill came along, you could actually get a grant to open a, open a business. 
veterans took advantage of that. And coming out of World War II, I don't know, it's only 90% of the businesses that were open were by veterans. That went away, and now a lot of veterans, when they, a lot of service members, when they get out and become veterans, would like to own a business and would like to have some seed capital. They would say, I don't need the GI Bill. I don't want this. This is what I really want. So in the future, I think we're going to have to think about you know, a fund for veterans to start a business, and that was something that really worked well when it existed like, you know, almost 80 years ago. See this too, and this is a little bit, you know, um, uh, maybe an aside. But so I have a, my brother is a is a, a private contractor kind of guy, right? And I'm, I think I have this straight. He has a program that he can provide, I guess, sort of like internships to veterans, and there's funding for him for that. Is am I? Is there something like that, or have I mis- yeah, completely yeah. misunderstood? It's called it's called Skillbridge. Called okay. Skillbridge is a program run by the Department of Defense where if you're in the military and you get one of these internships like your brother offers, you can leave the military in the last six months. The military will continue to pay your salary, and you can do an internship as a better way to transition into a job. So it's kind of like a six-month interview. And people who do that and do it well generally at the end of six months get hired by the company. So that's something as service members transition, a lot of them are doing. Okay, that seems like a pretty good deal, really. I mean, my brother says it's great for him and it's great for the the people who are doing the internships, right? Yes, no, it's really well thought out. It's hugely successful. And often, you know, if if nothing else, if you don't get a job, you realize, hey, maybe this wasn't wasn't what I want, so I should rethink that. So veterans get redirected to something that would be more appropriate and hopefully, you know, a career option. Okay. Oh, well, that's very cool. Well, let me, um, you know, I don't know anything else. I mean, that I haven't asked, I always like to ask this that you, that you would want to point out, um, you know, about your book or about, you know, the, the, the benefits and how it's all going. Um, well, I just think, I mean, you talked about those connect on suicide. One of the things we do know about suicide is often people are in financial distress that kind of leads them down the dark path, as they say, these benefits can really help people with, you know, a job and income a, a nice home that would keep them out of that path. So I tell people, pay attention to this. Like we said before, it can affect your family. Okay. And the other thing, of course, any decision VA makes, especially around your benefits, you can appeal. If you think I did, you know, you denied me, that shouldn't have happened. I didn't get enough. And the appeal process has really gotten faster and easier. So again, you know, don't be frustrated by potentially a bad a, a decision you're not happy with. There are ways to get it looked at and potentially changed. All right. Well, let me final question for you then, Paul, where can people get hold of this if they're interested and they, they think, hey, wait, I mean, I need to find out, like you said, I need to get what I deserve. Yes. Sure. Veterans Benefit for you is available on Amazon. It's about 20 bucks. I think it's a pretty good investment. You can find some benefits that, are, you know, get you a get get you going in certain areas and really can kind of, you know, redirect your life. Oh, you know, let me, actually, I like one more question. Is there any thought, I mean, for somebody, you know, the Biden administration getting a grant to just give this book to veterans? Can you can that be arranged somehow? Well, from your lips to God's ears. But unfortunately, no, that isn't really happening. So I think, you know, there, there's lots of you know, people will say what you said, Julie, hey, go to the website. But again, this is why I wrote the book, because I wanted it to be easy to read all in one place and kind of use more user friendly. Okay, okay, get it on Amazon. Okay, so Paul Lawrence, then author of Veterans Benefits um, for You, Get What You Deserve. Paul, thank you for doing that book and putting it together, and thank you for caring enough to do that. Thank you so much, Julie. Have a good weekend. 
Yeah, you too. You too. Paul Lawrence there. And here from um, another couple of comments from Jacob. How about USAA insurance? The best. And from Stephen, American Legion also has resources for veterans, including suicide prevention. But this seems like a great book. I had somebody pitch it to me and say, hey, you guys should take a look at this. So the guy's name is Paul Lawrence. Veterans Benefits for You. Get What You Deserve. A new book that he's got out. And he knows what he's talking about. He's the former undersecretary for benefits with the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. Um, okay. So now I want to go on and talk to the news of the day. Like I said, it's just Chuck is um, golfing right now. Um, and so for the rest of the time, I, I want to talk because there's so many things to talk about. So feel free if you want to call in 888-627-6008, 888-627-6008. If you're on Zoom and you want to chime in, go ahead and unmute yourself. Um, raise your hand if you want to. Yeah. Oh, then Jacob, maybe a rainy delay in this and Chuck's golf game. It could be, or I'm suspecting they could be at the 19th hole as well. That could also, that could also be a factor. Um, but anyway, if you want to go and zoom, you know, I'll type your comments and I'll be sure to read them too. So the first thing that the Trump arrest, what's interesting, there's so many things about this. And I read in the conservative Treehouse, and, and I thought this too, there is on one hand, something about it that makes me just very angry, just sort of deep seated angry that the they're doing this to the president and that they're doing this to all of us. And it is just so wrong and it is so unfair and it is so corrupt. But there's another part of me that is also, I don't know, happy isn't the right word, but they have gone so far, right? They have shown us there is, they will not stop at anything. And I think it is backfiring on them. And that is what gives me hope about the whole thing. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit of, of numbers, for instance. It was on the same night. I mean, number one, brilliant on Donald Trump's part. He did a couple of things brilliantly. One, they he and Tucker Carlson ran on Twitter his interview opposite the debate. So there could be a direct contrast and it came out even better than they could have thought. Then secondly, what he did is he turned himself in. And so, you know, the next day, all the talking heads who promote the establishment Republicans wanted to talk about that. They wanted to talk about how Trump is stupid and nobody likes Trump and everybody likes, um, you know, Asa Hutchinson or, or God forbid, Chris Christie. Um, but instead, so Trump had till today to turn himself in, but he turned himself in yesterday. Yesterday. So whatever talk there was going to be on Fox about the debate and whatever mileage they were going to get out of it was completely cut short because then they all covered Trump's arrest. And, and then the release of the mugshot, right? You, they were going to try to humiliate him and degrade him. And instead, he's turned around and he's merchandising it. And you just look at that. And I think it, it gives him, I was reading an article, and I agree with this, a certain street credibility. Here's a guy who's being persecuted, right? He's not some elite billionaire. They are doing this to him. They've done this to other people. And I think he is going to become, they're trying to say a martyr. I don't think a martyr, he's going to become a, something of a folk hero, I think, as a result of this. But I want to play typical Trump, right? While Joe Biden's hiding in the basement, while he's falling asleep on Maui, rather than helping the people there, Trump, after he's arrested, uh, you know, comes out and actually just talks to the reporters. If we could please, Thomas, play the Trump arrest soundbite. Thank you very much for being here. I really believe this is a very sad day for America. This should never happen. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election. 
and I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you're going to have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows that I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. So I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you uh, very soon. Thank you. I mean, you know, you just look at that, right? That, that does not look like a president or a, a man who is um, feeling um, trapped. It doesn't look like a man who is worried. It doesn't look, and the whole Tucker Carlson interview was the same thing, right? He didn't come across as like kind of panicking. Um, he didn't come across as humiliated. He didn't come across as anything other than angry and determined. And I think that's exactly what's happening with the base, right? They keep, you know, the polls, he's still up. They keep, you know, every time they indict him, his his ratings go up, right? More people support him. And they keep thinking that, you know, somehow or another, they're going to beat him down and they're going to beat us down. And instead, it keeps having the opposite effect. Is that, yeah. is that Jacob? Listen, no, it's uh, Johnny. Uh, okay. Oh, my, hey, Johnny. Hey, go ahead. Uh, my, my daughter lives in Atlanta and she says there was all these black people in support of him. And uh, I heard this one interview with this one black guy said, well, you know, back in the day, they used to trump up charges on on uh, certain black people and, and did the same thing. So maybe these Democrats, they forgot that they were they started the Klan, right? And uh, <laughs> and they did a lot of bad things uh, to minorities and so forth. And maybe there there were some that were still under the perception that hey, well, maybe they changed. Maybe they're going to treat us right. But it's a lot of people waking up, and uh, uh, I think they've just. Uh, pulled a, a card that uh, they can't take back and they got to just keep going with it, believing that in the end they're going to win. Yeah, I think you're right. And I don't think they're going to win. I mean, I saw that too. You know, you saw this, the pictures, the video of the people, and they were mostly uh, black people, right? And clearly what were not the greatest parts of, of Atlanta, Fulton County, um, and driving and people were on the streets cheering Trump. And I think you're right. That's what I meant when I said, I think it makes him something of a folk hero. I think taking that mugshot was a mistake on their part, right? They're trying to humiliate <laughs> him and degrade him. And instead, I mean, you know, it's, it's everywhere, right? It's kind of, I mean, yeah. you know, it's everywhere. And this one attorney, who was, uh, I guess, who's going to be uh, prosecuting him, he says, "Yeah, I use those those uh, mug shots to to convict people." And I'm thinking, like, what what a egomaniac uh, this guy must be, thinking right. that I'm going to use that picture to to make him look like he's really angry, and 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 people will convict on that picture. I'm thinking, yeah. Like, Man. Nope. I think that's right. Nope. I think you're right there. Hey, listen. Thank you, and thank you. Tell your daughter. Thank you for sharing that too. Okay. Bye. All right. Thank you. Well, you know, and that's it. CNN was whining about that, right? The folks at CNN are kind of waking up um, as to how good Trump is at handling things. And again, I go back to it because he's right. I mean, it always helps to be right. But the CNN was whining about the mugshot. If we could play the CNN video, please. Not downplaying this. I mean, he is certainly seeing how he uses 
these exact moments to his political advantage, Sarah? I mean, you, you covered him when he was in the White House as well. And, and he was posting today, you know, what time he expected to be here, 7.30 here. It is 7.30 for as he is arriving here. Um, we where love, we love a timely, garage. we love some timely guidance, I guess. Yeah, but he does use these. I mean, he uses these for fundraising. He uses these to rally his base. I mean, that's one of the questions about this sort of value of a mugshot in this case, right? It's sure it's treating Donald Trump if he does get one the same as any other defendant, but you're also giving him a photo that there's no doubt that he's going to use on promotional material, he's going to use on fundraising material. I, I believe he made a fake mugshot in the past yeah. <laughs> that he used for fundraising purposes. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things that's gone into consideration in, in his previous three arrests where he has not had a mugshot is, do we really need to do this when we're talking about a former president of the United States? We know what he looks like. I think, yeah, I think that was a serious miscalculation because that's going to be it's going to be the rallying cry um, for, for I think, for the campaign. Um, this is from from Jim or from Jacob. You're right, Jacob. The mugshot of Trump will be a great campaign tool. And then from Jim, they will leave no stone unturned to keep it from a second term. They have no limits. That's right. I'm going to talk about that in a second. And then Stephen says the Bolsheviks Democrats will not stop until Trump and his supporters are destroyed. But it's becoming harder and harder because I want to talk a little bit about the debate because so they had 13 million people watch the debate on Fox. Right. Um, That is down almost 50 percent from 2015, which was the last time when Trump when Trump um, debated. And then they had I know it's over 240 million views on the Twitter feed. There are a couple of reasons for this going on. One, I think the debate was down because Donald Trump wasn't on. It's exactly what I predicted would happen. People wouldn't care that much. Um, um, you, you know, it's like watching, the, you know, the the scrimmage between all the fourth string quarterbacks. I mean, it doesn't really make any difference. Um, but also, and this is the thing that I think is freaking them out a little bit. The number of people who have cable to watch in the first place is down. I think I mentioned last week for the first time ever, there are more people watching TV streaming than there are on cable and broadcast. And that's only going to get worse, right? The cable TV. It's a dying industry. And a couple of things happen because of that. Uh, and it's only going to get worse, right? So if you're the de- the good news is that we now have a lot of outlets. The the media and the the elite have lost their ability to completely control the narrative through the media. There are all these alternate sources. The flip side of that is what we're seeing in terms of the increased censorship, right? They're like, okay, well, if we can't control the narrative, what we will do is just silence anyone and censor anyone and shut up anyone who who tries to you know to, to dissent against the narrative. I think that's why you're seeing them all of a sudden, coincidentally, out of the blue, the Department of Justice is suing Elon Musk for what? Hiring too many Americans? Elon Musk is being sued for not hiring enough refugees? What the heck? I mean, what the frick is up with that? But I don't think it's an accident. I think that there is a ton of pressure on Musk to censor things, particularly now that Trump went back on Twitter. Did you guys see that? So Trump is off of Twitter since um, January 8th of 2021. And he came back. And again, that was brilliant on his part to, to do that because he's become, all of a sudden now he is the ninth most popular uh, person to follow on Twitter or X or whatever they want to call it. But anyway, so the, the bad news is they can't control the narrative. So now they're going to try to censor things. On the other flip side of that, 
it's becoming harder for them to even censor because stuff pops up all over the place. They can't, they can't keep it down. Right. Um, on the other, other side of that, I think that's why we're seeing things like arresting the, the 19 people on top of Trump and, and make no mistake. I'm telling you, they're going to be arresting more people, people who have nothing to do with anything. People who haven't committed any crimes like Trump, right? It's they're criminalizing speech, free speech, any speech that they don't like, they are turning into a crime. Right. And they get corrupt judges. They get corrupt juries. uh, They get corrupt district attorneys. Thank you, George Soros, who go along with this. They just don't care anymore. Right. On the other other side. And this is what gives me hope is the popularity of the song Rich Men North of Richmond. Right. You look at that and the number of people who know. I mean, and that's just organic. Right. There's nobody promoting it. There's no big time Hollywood producer telling us to go buy it. Nobody's buying ads for it. It's just people downloading the song because it resonates with them. And those are the people who look, I think, at the mugshot of Donald Trump um, and say, you know, this isn't right. Um, and, and what they're doing to him, people get, they could do to me. And the more they do that to regular people, I know a lot of people don't pay attention as much as they should to the January 6th political prisoners. But when they do it this publicly with Donald Trump and all of these people, his, his personal assistants, stuff like that, who are getting arrested, indicted and could face 20 years plus in prison, people just see that's wrong. And I think it was kind of funny at the debate, the Fox debate. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, they played the first, you know, the first question out of the gate to, to their favorite, Ron DeSantis was rich men north of Richmond, right? And you kind of want to say, you're looking at that stage and you're like, okay, these are all rich men north of Richmond, or they want to be rich men north of Richmond, right? And I kind of wondered to myself, I wonder how many of them have even actually heard the song, right? And then Ron DeSantis went into his decline thing. But that is, I think, what really has them scared. And I want to play another soundbite, because again, that's a kind of thing that somebody like Donald Trump is smart enough to see. In the interview, and it was just, again, astonishing. If you haven't had a chance to watch the interview on Twitter, it is, it's not fireworks. It's not Donald Trump, you know, shouting and there's no sparks like he kind of promised. Instead, it's it's an intelligent, calm, wide ranging discussion. And you contrast Donald Trump, who just has all kinds of stuff at command, right? He's just, Tucker's asking him questions and he'll kind of go off on a tangent. And he starts rattling off all of this information versus Joe Biden. I mean, there's no way they're ever going to let Joe Biden debate Donald Trump. I mean, that's just that's just not even going to happen. It would just be they they couldn't do that. But one of the things Tucker asked him is, how do you stay cheerful? How do I mean, they're constantly attacking you. They're constantly putting out all this stuff. They're taking away now or trying to take away your your freedom. Right. Um, and, and Donald Trump's answer was essentially because, you know, songs he doesn't say this, but songs like Richmond, North of Richmond, people get it. So if we could please play Thomas the Trump holding up soundbite. How do you get indicted, you know, every week and stay I cheerful? It's uh... I think it, it's a lot easier because I'm, I'm so high in the polls because it means the people get it. The people see it's a fraud. The people see it like this horrible district attorney from just a little while ago from essentially Atlanta. That's Fulton County. She said, basically, I don't have any right to challenge an election. Well, what about 
Stacey Abrams? What about Hillary Clinton? What about all of these Democrats that are still challenging my election? The same people that are saying he's challenging an election challenged my election. And they did it with slates. They did it with all sorts of things. They were very bad, very bad about it. But basically, they're silly me, and they're saying, you don't have any right to challenge it. If you challenge an election, we're going to indict you and put you in jail. So what they're doing is they're really, they've weaponized, and, and don't kid yourself, the DOJ and Biden and the whole group, they're watching all of this stuff. They love the local stuff, you know, the DA in Manhattan. Not only that, they put a one of the DOJ top people into the Manhattan DA's office to run things. They don't even have a case against me. It's not even a case. Everyone says, even the Democrats say, you can't bring these cases. You have no case. The attorney general or the uh, district attorney, Fannie, Fannie Willis, in Atlanta, she's getting killed. Basically, she's saying Trump doesn't have the right to, uh, to criticize an election. And I think he's right about that, right? People understand and things like his poll numbers show that. And, and, and you know, they say, well, he's Teflon, nothing sticks to him. It's like, no, what they're doing is every time they do that, I think it makes him more angry and it makes me more angry. And I think it makes a ton of people more angry because, you know, what they're telling us is we don't like what you say because you're not going along with our narrative and we will do everything we can to crush you. And I think it is going to get worse. And one of the interesting things is, and, and I'll play this in a second, um, you know, all of these candidates who are like, oh, Trump is unelectable. As the CNN polls themselves have shown, Trump head to head with Biden, sometimes beating Biden. Trump is totally electable. There's no, oh, all of this stuff is going to tarnish him. And if any of those candidates who are up there on that stage, if Chris Christie thinks if he's the nominee, if, if Ron DeSantis thinks he's the nominee, Vivek Ramaswamy, any of them, if they think that the left will not turn on them and do the same exact thing, they're crazy. This lawfare is so we've got election interference and then we have lawfare. Right. So they can do what they can. They can rig the elections. They can have the all the, the thousand mules issues with the ballot harvesting. Right. That's one thing. But this lawfare is another thing that they're using and they're they're. I think it's not working for them with Trump, but it might work. I mean, again, you know, when you start elect, um, arresting people's lawyers, it makes it hard to get a lawyer. And Trump points it out. He says, it's not just me. He said, they're not, you know, I'm just in the way of for protecting you guys. And he said, if, if they take me down, whoever stands up, they're going to take them down too. So Thomas, if we could please play the Trump do it again soundbite. You're saying they stole it from you last time. Why wouldn't they do the same this time? Oh, well, they'll try. They're going to be trying, yeah. But, and not not only me, you know. Look, uh, DeSantis is out. I think he's gone. So he was, he was at a level. He's, people have figured him out. He's gone. But if somebody else got in other than me, they'll go at him just as viciously as they did me. These people are sick. Uh, they will go after them. And a lot of people say they won't be able to hold up. I do get credit for holding up quite well, I must tell you. I think it's... Uh, how do you? He does hold up quite well. And I think that's a thing, too. You don't think anybody else is going to hold up as well. Um, let, let's see. This is from Jacob. Um, oh, another reason for why some people... That's a good point, Jacob. Weren't watching the debate. People are still on vacation. Um, and on top of that, Fox has lost, as he notes, half of its audience from the Carlson de um, departure. Um, from Stephen, Tucker got fired as part of the Dominion settlement. That's right. 
Um, Jacob says another test for Fox will be when the Fox Business Channel hosts a debate and Trump will be a participant in that one. I don't, has he said he would be though? I'm not so sure. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought he hasn't said, or maybe he does. And then from Stephen, Obama is a man behind the curtain coordinating all of these attacks on Trump and his supporters. The House should investigate him. That's a good point too. Well, you know, one other thing I wanted to mention, because I've, I've been kind of watched both. I was watching on Twitter and then we were watching the debate. Um, and while it was at times fiery, the one thing that really struck me is how hard and how desperate the old establishment Republicans are to trample, almost as, as desperate as the left, to trample the grassroots. You saw Mike Pence and Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie and, and Nikki Haley, give me a break, spewing, none of them talking about the things that people care about, mostly just saying, well, why we have to continue to have more wars, right? And Mike Pence is saying, when Vivek Ramaswamy was talking and 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 Mike Pence said, well, that's a, you know, it's a morning in America. We don't need to redefine America. Laura Ingram is right when she said, yeah, it's more in America, but M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. This is an old establishment guard Republicans who have all made their billions in politics. And Nikki Haley, what I mean, since she quit being the U.S. ambassador, is, is making millions of dollars, like doing what, right? These are rich men north of Richmond, no matter where they live, who are trying to force the Republican Party back to where it was before Donald Trump. And you saw that on the stage. You had Ron DeSantis. He's trying hard to pretend that he's not one of them, but his donors are, right? These are all, these are a donor class, except for Ramaswamy, donor class candidates. And the donor class and those those politicians are trying to force the Republican Party back down into the hole where it doesn't care about the people and they can just continue to go about their business and make money. And I think in watching it, there were a ton of people who did watch it. It was just horrifying. And you're like, even Laura Ingram is saying, no, we're not going back to there. Mike Pence, you're crazy if you think we're going back to your Republican Party. Nikki Haley, you're crazy if you think we're going back to your Republican Party. The reason Donald Trump is so popular is not because it's a cold following or anything like that. It is he is so popular because he says and talks about things that the rest of us out here are thinking and that we care about. And he's offering solutions not to help Zelensky in Ukraine, but to take down the price of gasoline in this country. That's why he's so popular. So I don't know. I, I mean, let me know what you think, but I, I, it's not going to work. Right. Number one, Trump is so far ahead. But their efforts to try to turn the Republican Party back happening here in Colorado, too. You know, look what they're trying to do with the opt out. Don't want us to opt out of the open primary because the donor class and the establishment Republicans who want to be the candidates there don't want to actually win. They just want to be able to kind of try to sort of win because they keep all of their power regardless. Right. But I think in a way it was like alarming to watch that because you're like, no, 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 we're not going back there again. Um Okay, good. Um, one of the other things, too, I want to do, because it's Party Friday, because there's so many topics, because, Leo, I have one for you, too, on the uh, alcohol czar. I did not know we had an alcohol czar. But I wanted to play one of the things that's been great about the, the whole debates and Trump. And I don't know if you guys just take a look at some of the memes on the the mugshot meme. But this is one of the best memes I saw. This is a Superman meme. Thomas, if we could please play. This is on just the whole events of yesterday. If we could please play the Superman meme. I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you uh, very soon. Thank you. 
there you go. There you go. I just thought that was pretty good. Um, let's see from Dr. Donna. That was played at the end of Benny's show. I'm not sure what you mean by that, um, Dr. Donna. Um, I just saw it as a meme someplace too. There's another one. I'm pulling these and I'll play some of these on Monday. Some memes about people who are uh, kind of, um, you know, doing Trump impersonations and things like that. Um, but it being party Friday. So we've, we've seen how the Democrats, they want us all to use electric cars, even though what I saw it was the CEO of Ford was trying to drive one of their electric vehicles. And you said it is kind of stressful because you can't find a place to charge it. And you never know how long the charge is going to watch. I'm going to work. It's like, you think, you think that may be a problem, um, but they want to do that. They, we can't have a um, gas powered leaf blowers, no more lawnmowers. Forget about it with gas stoves. That's completely over, over it. Uh, but now they want to take away your alcohol for Leo. This is a job, Leo. I don't know what you're doing, but I did not realize that they have an actual alcohol czar. This guy probably gets paid tens of thousands of dollars. I could be an alcohol czar, right? The Biden administration has an alcohol czar. His name is, and this is his real name, George Koob, K-O-O-B. That's sort of a bad name, I think, for an alcohol czar. But apparently, though, he wants to put out guidelines that say you have to be limited um, to two beers a week. Now, that's for men and women. So two beers a week. Um, and and they're seriously putting that out. Um, yeah, it's from Jim. No more ceiling fans. Um I don't think that's going to fly. I think they can take away the gas stoves. They can take away, you know, the lawnmowers. They can take away our vehicles. But when they try to tell people, okay, you can only be limited to two beers a week right now. And uh, granted, obviously, well, who knows? I was going to say that, you know, they're not going to actually monitor it. But I guess you don't know. They could monitor it, couldn't they, through alcohol purchases. You know, I grew up, not grew up, but when I went to school, I went to school at Iowa State University, and they were state-run liquor stores stores then. And when you went in, particularly in a smaller town, and by the time I was in school in Des Moines, it wasn't there. But if you were in some of the smaller towns, you had to go into the, the liquor store and they didn't have shelves, right? It was all in the back room and they had like a wall with all the different kinds of liquor that you could buy there. But you had to fill out a little form um, and, you know, with your name and you sign it and your ID and stuff like that and fill it out. And then they would go back and get it and they would keep that. So I guess if they wanted to, they could monitor how many beers or how many vodkas or how many whatever you drink, right? Um, but that's not going to go over, I don't think, very well. I think the United States tried that whole limiting liquor before, right? Called prohibition. And that did not work. That did not go over very well. Not only that, but maybe it would work if it was Bud Light, but I just don't see the alcohol industry getting on board with this, really. I don't see, now that we can buy alcohol in grocery stores and Target, things like that, I don't see the liquor stores going along with this very well. The people who might might be the pot shops. Now, they may be pushing it, right? Um, but I just don't, I think this is a flawed idea and a failed idea. And I, I don't even know why this guy is even talking about, but he says he's been watching it going on in Canada. It's like, oh, we should all take lessons from stuff from what's going on in Canada. I don't think so. I, I just think that be, Dr. Town's like, no, no, not my lawnmower. And then Jacob, ironically, Trump doesn't drink alcohol. Yeah, but I still don't think he'd back it. They're prepping for the enforced, I agree with this, Jim, they're prepping for the enforced digital money transition to monitor all purchases. Oh yeah, you see that already, right? I mean, and then, you know, where they talk about now, there are places where you have to put your, no limit on Bud Light because there won't be any Bud Light. That's true. Although maybe, maybe they're going to make it so that all you can buy is Bud Light. Right. I mean, they could they could simply do that. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's this week. You know, like I said, on, on the one hand, what they're doing to Donald Trump, if I stop and think about it, sometimes it does make me it just makes me 
angry just and i don't get angry i'm not a particularly angry person but it makes me really angry um and on the other hand though again you look at as i said the popularity of the rich men north of richmond song you look at the number of people the the views that that the trump thing had on twitter um you look at um the 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 number of views that fox did not have and then you look at the trump poll numbers and i think he's absolutely right People get it. And then they, they're talking now about, you know, some places that might want to put the mask mandate in. That's not going to fly. That That's just not going to fly. Um, they're, the, it was seen to be, as by now, right, everybody knows it was completely unnecessary. Masks didn't work. All the harm that has been done and was done in the name of trying to protect us, right? Um, nobody buys it anymore. And I think it took, a, the, the health industry took a serious hit as a result of that, as evidenced by the fact that no one's getting the new COVID vaccines. And in fact, I was reading a thing that said, um, the number of kindergartners going into schools with all of their vaccinations is one of the about the lowest it's ever been. Right. Parents are like, OK, not only do I not trust you on COVID, but since I realize how much you lied to me about COVID, I don't trust you on anything. And I think the same thing is happening to the Justice Department. Right. Or the, the legal system. There was a time where you, I think, felt, well, at least, you know, I'll have my day in court. I think people are beginning to see. No, you won't. Not necessarily. And when that happens. Um, you know, Tucker Carlson asked Donald Trump, do you see civil war? And I don't know about civil war, but certainly civil unrest. I think if they try to force a mask mandate again, I think people will just say no. Um, and then what are they going to do? Are they going to arrest all of us? I mean, they may try, but are they going to close down all of our businesses? I don't think so. And that's, I think, what what gives me hope for these people. Um, let's see. Um, from Stephen again, Jacob, you're harming the environment by renting beer since it ends up in the sewer. So you need to limit yourself to two a week or less. And from Sandra, and don't forget the pot shops and liquor stores remained open during COVID while mom and pop shops were forced to close. I um, mean, Don, Dr. Donna says, bet there will still always be enough sheep to make it almost worth their while. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I don't think so. I mean, I, I guess you can't think so, right? If you thought that, you would have to give up. Um, and I think that what's happened with Donald Trump, I was reading an interesting column by Alex and He's a former New York Times reporter. If you don't read him, he's great on Substack. He's done a lot of work on the on the COVID stuff and the and the vaccines and how awful that is. And you can find stuff in his columns and his stuff that you won't find anywhere else talking about all of the dangers and the ill effects of the vaccines, which, by the way, American scientists are not reviewing, but scientists in other parts of the world are. And then even he and he says like he hates Donald Trump, right? Um, but even he says, you know, what they've done now, he, he said Donald Trump, I kind of disagree with this. But but he said during his presidency, although he said a lot of things to a certain extent, he was a fairly standard conservative um, president. I don't think so on off fronts, but he kind of has a point. But he said, you just look at that mugshot and that mugshot conveys perfectly what they wanted to create. Donald Trump is angry now. And there will be this time there, and, and the people he brings in. I think when Donald Trump and I say when, not if, when Donald Trump is elected, I think there is going to be a great 
reckoning. I think that all of these things that they have built up to try to keep us down, he is going to systematically dismantle. And this time he's going to have people support because people don't believe it. They know we can't trust the health industry. They know we can't trust the legal system. They know we can't trust the media. And so when you have Donald Trump, no one's going to, well, not no one, but there's going to be massive support for him doing some major rearranging. So that's the good news on the party Friday. In the meantime, I'm going to wrap it up a little bit early, well, just a couple of minutes, because we better all go drink our beers at our party Friday stuff while we can. Because actually, you know, you shouldn't say anymore. It's like, oh, they would never do that, right? There, there is no limit. And if they somehow think it would benefit them and that they could control us more, they will indeed limit us to two beers. Although, you know, darn well, Nancy Pelosi is not going to be limiting herself to two beers. <laughs> hey, that is at for me on this party Friday, we will have the update from Chuck's golf game. It is kind of funny that I haven't heard from him. Um, he's I'm probably doing his two beers. But and um, on Monday, everyone have a wonderful weekend. Thank you to the guys at BBS. Remember, you can get all the shows at chuckandjulie.com. Thank you to everybody on Zoom. And thank you to our guest, um, Paul Lawrence. We will see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend. <laughs>